We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is recorded and pay our respects to Elders past, present and Aboriginal Elders emerging. The Vale Podcast, written by Mildura Living Magazine. Spring issue out now. What a very exciting day. Today we even get to record at Mildura Living Magazine, or the Workshop Creative, it's called, with publishing editor Tony. How are you? Hi, thank you. And Kirsten Lloyd, now what's your official title within this organisation? Mm, that's a really good question. Yeah. I might just change it while we're sitting here. <laughs> That'll mean more money, surely. I think. It's contributing editor. Contributing editor. Yeah. We don't pay her. Yeah. Right, well... Obviously, this is a love job. Of course. What's the difference between, for those of us that are new to the world of magazines and print, what's the difference between the different types of editors? Good question. (laughs) (laughs) Do we have an answer? (laughs) Kirsten basically edits all the stories. Right. And um, I publish the magazine, so that's probably the difference. So you're the one that gets to do the fun stuff and Tony pays the bills. Is that essentially what it is? You yeah, can much. go with that if you'd like to. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I'm hearing in my head anyway. Let's talk about, Kirsten, we'll talk to you first about, because um, obviously you've been writing for the magazine and we see your name on written pieces all over the place and have done for a very long time. How did you first realise that you had the gift of the written word? Well, I don't think I ever realised that I had a gift of the given word. I think I had a hell of a lot of opinions and I needed everyone to know what they were, <laughs> possibly. Um, well, if you want to go right back, right yeah. back. Um, I was raised in an interesting kind of household, I guess, where um, my grandmother thought that she needed rather a large amount of input into my upbringing. Possibly oh. she felt that without it I was going to go down paths that I shouldn't go down. Mm-hmm. So she taught me to read when I was really, really young and she used to sit there and we'd read Enid Blyton and all of those kind of things <gasps> and she always used to tell me, you're going to write a novel one day and, you know, you're going to be a writer. So I don't know whether I actually wanted to write or whether I was just told that I was going to write. <laughs> I don't know what came first. But as I went through school, it was just something... I was good at and I was terrible at maths, Mm -hmm. always was. Um, (gasps) Oh, I found my people. (laughs) Hated numbers. Um, I did what was called veggie maths in year 11. (laughs) Me too, (laughs) high five. Purely because I was told I had to um, and I barely passed. So, you know, you're getting a bit of a picture there. Mm -hmm. Um, But I always loved writing and I had some probably difficult times in my late teens and it was a way of coping I think is yeah. to get it out um, mm. so that's where it started always when everyone else when I was growing up all the girls wanted to be nurses and hairdressers oh, yeah. and that kind of thing and I was standing in front of my mirror with a hairbrush pretending I was Yarn Event. Yarn Event? Wow there's someone I haven't thought of in I a know, very long time. I and I have dated myself so there we wow. go. Um, so that's what I wanted to do so all through school it was just I wanted to be a journalist and that was it. So got into year 12 and they said, right, you need eight preferences. And I'm like, well, I've only got one. Mm. And they said, well, that's not going to do. And I said, well, it's just going to have to. Yeah. Um, so I had RMIT journalism as number one and nothing else. Got in, did broadcast as my major yep. actually, but hated it. Didn't really enjoy did it. Did you? Yeah, because you lose the writing element, I think. Mm. So Yarn Event kind of wasn't who I wanted to be anymore. So mm. I thought I had to recreate myself, which was a bit of a journey. But um, discovered it was the writing 
that I liked. Yeah, I guess, right. Rather than the sitting and having your hair done and yeah, makeup mm. done and chasing ambulances, which wasn't what I wanted to do either. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting when you're in journalism as a course, it's all about the news side of it and chasing the next angle. And what I realised was that wasn't my passion. Mm. It was actually sharing the story and finding the heart of a story. And you don't do that with news. So I think that was where I very quickly deviated away. And then as life does, you take a few different turns. So I got into strategic comms. So that's where the bulk of my career has been actually in strategic communications. So for those, again... For those that are new to the space, we've got creative comms and strategic. Explain what strategic communication is all about. So working with companies to develop their own messaging and narrative to sell whatever they're doing, Mm -hmm. um, essentially. But I also got into politics. So I worked in federal politics as a media advisor as well. So So let's go back because... There's a lot to unpack all through that. And you mentioned <laughs> Enid Blyton, reading yeah. Enid Blyton with your grandmother. Yeah. And some of my best memories come from the Magic Faraway Tree mm-hmm. and reading those with my yes. grandmother. Like how good were those books? Yeah, fantastic. And I read them to my kids actually as that well. That was going to be my next yeah. question. I did, absolutely. Yeah. And even before that, Br'er Rabbit and all those stories that yeah. you know, real English literature because my grandmother was English so it was all about – you know, painting a picture in your head and I was never, ever allowed to see a movie before I'd read the book and so that's something that has been passed on to my kids as well. Yeah. So my son has read all the Harry Potters and now he's allowed to see the films. Yeah. And, and he I will. He'll sit there and go, well, that's not what I imagined. And I'm like, excellent. Yeah, but exactly. And this is the thing. So do you think that's essentially where your love of story came from? Because Enid Blyton stories really have – you have to ignite – the imagination, because there's nothing in there that you would have ever seen in real life, especially back when they were written. You would never have seen Moonface or a magic faraway tree or any of the other characters like that. So do you think that's where your love of storytelling came from? I don't know. I don't know. Um, Yes, I mean, I I love words and what they can do, but for me it's the sharing of a story and there's so much power Mm. in words. And I think... When you look at people all around the world, and I I guess if you look at Afghanistan at the moment, and there's women and girls there who are going to be denied everything that we take for granted, Mm. and the only way we're finding out about that is because stories are being shared. And Mm. I think um, the moment we lose the power to share and hold our story as a civilization, we are lost. So I think um, when you look at what Mildura Living is doing, we're a very small community. But we've got some hell of a story to tell, not just in the past, but what's happening now, the achievements of people that are happening now. And when you don't tell them and you don't have it historically recorded, as a magazine does, you're in real danger of losing the true value of community. And I think, for me, that's part of it. And every one of us has a bloody good story to tell. And I think we're all valued. And Mm. whenever I interview anyone, anyone up here, and they'll say, oh... I don't know why you want to interview me because I really haven't got a story. And by the end of it, there's this amazing person that comes out and you're just like, you do have a story and it's so important to tell them. And I think it doesn't matter who you are, if you don't value your own story and people don't value your story, Mm. we're kind of getting lost somewhere. Yeah, I agree. It's such a good philosophy to have. And my life's philosophy, I got some very wise advice in my mid-20s that life should always be about the book. So if you were to sit down and like your grandmother said to you, you're going to write a novel at the end of your life, would it be an interesting read? Would there be some good stories in there? So every turn in your life therefore becomes a new chapter. So 
choices and decision-making should be based upon that because it's all about the book at the end of the day. Yeah, and if someone wants to read your book... Exactly. ...and be proud of who you are at the end of it, I think if people get to the end and close the book and go, well, glad I never knew them... Yeah. ...then you've gone wrong. Yeah, correct. (laughs) Absolutely. So talking about some of the stories in this month's issue, and there are some great stories in there, and I love the way that you do uncover the story... You've given some great segues here, so let's just carry on from <laughs> yeah, that. Sure. So the Jan Goodison story, mm-hmm. being a celebrant, and the way you talked about her celebrating every occasion mm. and that her sense of family really came through, what's the process to get to that stage of uh, unfolding that and focusing on that part of her story? Yeah, I guess... When when I was back at uni and we were doing interviewing techniques, they you know, say you have your list of questions and you go in and you you know you tick them all off. And I guess for a new story that works, but when you're trying to write a story like this, if you're going with a list of questions, you're most likely going to miss the heart of the story because you're focused on making sure you've asked them when they were born. You become and a where they were yeah. Born and you become a slave to the paper. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So we pretty much just have a conversation yep. and that's how I work it because if I can't get to know them, I can't channel their voice anyway. Mm. So we really just do sit down and chat. Jan is an absolute gem. I know her. Um, I'd met her before and she insisted on the interview being done whilst champagne was being drunk. So. Good for her. Yeah. <laughs> that's how the best interviews always happen, yeah. with champagne. And there should be more of it. That's right. I was actually mm. thinking that. I was like, how can I channel this into more of my work? <laughs> yeah. We can do it here on a Friday. I'm happy with that. But, yeah, so she was happy just to um, sit down and have a chat, I guess. But, you know, if you think about what they're saying, if you're actually listening to what they're saying rather than focusing on the next question you've got to ask, you actually go, oh, okay, we'll go down that path. And Mm. so, you know, weaves and winds and, you know, most of my interviews go for an hour or two as we weave and wind, but that's how I approach it. Yeah. And clearly so do we on this podcast because (laughs) we'll interview one guest and it'll go for an hour and a half and then I have to somehow fit that into an hour. But I agree with you. And I, coming from the other side of media in in broadcast, I was sort of always told to be prepared and have your list of questions. And I never really did the paper thing because I remember interviewing Pauline Hanson very early on in my career when she'd first hit the mainstream and came down to Victoria from Ipswich in her power red suit and whatever, and I had a list of questions and wasn't really listening to what was coming back. Granted, I was an 18-year-old kid at that stage. But Mark Howard had said to me, don't don't have a list of questions because then you are just a slave to the paper. Mm. Just have a conversation. That's advice that I've passed on to people that have asked me too. So I'm glad we're on the same page. I'm glad I've found my people in here. No, not a number to be seen, which is great. This first line, as people were the sum of what's come before us, did you write that? Yes. Can I steal it? Sure. Great. <laughs> I just need your permission to because it could make a really good radio ad yeah. and I have a few clients, jewellery in particular. Yeah. I really like that because emotion oh. opens the wallet. Oh, mm. thank you. Um, so as far as we've talked about your interview style and, and things like that, from that is there a creative process when you come down to write, you know, an article of 3,000 words or whatever it might be? Do you have a structured process or do you just go, mm, more champagne? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Shh>, Tony's. <Tony. laughs> um, <laughs> we all know. We know what goes on, surely. No, it's actually funny. Usually because it's been a conversation, mm. in my head by the time I've left, I know where the story's going to go. I'm yeah. like, okay, that's the path that I have to take with that one. So by the time I sit down, I've already got a fairly clear – It's 
I guess if you want process, I've got an introduction and a conclusion in my head and yep. that's what goes in between. Right. So, yeah, so then I'll listen to the recording and go back and it's where you get the quotes from and that'll lead it. But yep. usually the conversation in itself will give me the introduction and usually a pretty powerful conclusion because I think a conclusion is really important. Yeah, well, you do have to have somewhere to finish, <laughs> yes. don't and you? it's got to be strong. Yeah, I absolutely. Hate, I hate a weak conclusion. So. I think we all hate a, ver- a bad ending. <laughs> yeah. And we get a lot of that these days, particularly with weak Netflix shows. Yeah, mm. I'm hearing it. On that, mm. we hear a lot of, I think we've lost, particularly in the last five years or so, now we'll ask one another what Netflix shows are, we, are you watching rather mm. than what book are you reading. Mm. Discuss. Mm. <laughs> um, okay, well, I work quite a lot. Um, <laughs> I don't actually have as much time as I would like to mm. read. But I am going to admit that the book that is on my bedside table at the moment is Hazel, which is the autobiography, well, the biography on Hazel Hawk. Hazel Hawk. Yeah. I'm wow. a bit of a political junkie, Jade. Sorry. That's okay. Again, <laughs> like, like I said, I found my people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, that's next on my list. Because reading is such a joy and now with young kids and the joy they get out of being able to decipher words and sentences and put the story together – that's such a joy to have. Do you think we're losing a little bit of that with the onslaught of digital media? Yes and no. I think that you can be inspired by whatever and I certainly don't think I'm a person to sit in judgement of how a person mm. gets their entertainment, particularly over the last two years. I think that um, Netflix and things like that have probably saved, literally saved lives. Oh, yeah. If you can distract yourself from what's actually going on, I don't think it's a bad thing. Mm. So um, I love books, always have. Not everybody does. Um, When I used to travel for work, I'd read books a lot because I'd sit on the planes and I'd read. um, And even there, you'd see the people next to you and they'd be on their phone and they'd be just as engrossed. I don't know. I don't think we should judge how people get their entertainment or their relaxation. I think the important thing is that they get it. Mm, That's a good point of view. Appreciate that. There is an article in this this month about a young man who is a costume designer. What's his name? Tony, can you remember? Galbraith. Yeah, that's right. But we're talking about Netflix and I noticed that he worked on the Netflix series series Clickbait. Hmm. Did you watch that? Uh, Did anybody no, in this I'm room watch that? I'm watching that at the moment. Did you? Oh, what do you mean watching it? I had to watch it all in one go. I need sleep. As, <laughs> see, I don't. <laughs> I don't need sleep at all. It's only eight episodes or something, isn't it? Mm. But yeah, Josh Galbraith. Yeah, worked on has worked on a lot of shows, which is which is fantastic. But anyway, I just when you, we were talking about Netflix, that no segue there at all. Just an interesting fact. Anyway, we digress. We've been talking for far longer than we'd intended to. Funny that, <laughs> Kirsten. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to just sit down and have a chat. No Can we have a chat to you again soon about some other? Things. Uh, if you've got the champagne, I've got the time, Jade. Excellent. We can make that happen. <laughs> oh, it's the start of the Vale summer of sport, although you wouldn't think it was summer at the moment. In the studio, I've got Seamus Mitchell. How are you, Shamo? I'm good. How are you? Brilliant. How has your year been? Um, it's been all right. It's, um, obviously, COVID was a bit of a stuff around again, but, um, yeah, it was good to um, – Get me first year under my belt um, at the Hawks, and um, yeah, it was pretty pretty enjoyable. How your first game? There was a bit of I won't say hysteria, but excitement's probably a bit a yeah. bit of a, um, <laughs> a more accurate term. But from everywhere, even people that weren't or that still aren't Hawthorne supporters, when you were named in that first game for Box Hill, there was a 
bit of excitement. How did you feel? Uh, yeah, I was pretty pretty nervous. That was probably my first game in almost two years. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I was excited, but um, yeah, pretty nervous. I was pretty good once I got out there on the field, but heading into it, I was um, yeah, pretty pretty nervous. Do you get that when you smell the grass? Is there something that flicks in your head that makes you relax and all your nerves go away? And uh, I, I don't know. I'll, as soon as like I'm, I'm just out there, like and like the game's just about to be like played and the ball's going around and that, like, just don't feel it as much anymore. Just a so, meditative um, state. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's like um, you think about it more before the game, I'd say, than when you're out there. So yeah, all that anticipation. Mm, yeah. Do you let it get to you? No, I don't, I don't really try. I try to stay uh, pretty calm usually. So um. <laughs> I would never have guessed. <laughs> Mate, if you were any more relaxed, you'd be in a coma, I reckon. <laughs> so on that, that first week when you were named in that, that side, did you feel like you were prepared? I guess so. It was, um, I'd come off another, like it was a hamstring injury. So mm. um, I felt pre- prepared. Um, I just was a bit unsure of like um, how I'd go with like all the game plan sort of stuff as it would be my first game and I hadn't really trained it too much compared to everyone else. Like in, they had pre-season and like the whole way up to where I was. Mm. Um, I only really had about oh, say two weeks of like full training um, to like sort of get used to things. Um, so that was sort of difficult, that sort of part of it. Yeah, two weeks is not long. Yeah, it was is sort it? of – it was um, – well, we were build, building up with a lot of running and stuff um, um, before that and then, yeah, it was like, yeah, we, we think you're ready to go and that. So, um, yeah, it was like two or three-week period where I was just um, pretty much getting ready for that. Because when you first went, you had that ankle injury. Yeah, ankle and knee. Yeah, that <laughs> <laughs> was a bit of an issue. Yeah. And then you said you had a hamstring injury during the year. Yeah. Just from training and that during that recovery period, was it? Yeah, it was um, actually pretty much when I was finishing up with the the ankle and knee. Um, yeah, it was just like it was. It's the tendon. It's not actually the muscle. So um, it was just aggravated and like you can't really do much about it. It's sort of like when you have tendonitis in your knees and that um, you sort of just have to let it heal over time, I guess, and mm. not not rest it too much because tendons do like a bit of load and that through them. So. Yeah. Um, Doing a bit, but not doing um, too much as well. So, how many games did you play for Box Hill? I, had, I only had two official games and yep. then like five scratch matches. Okay. So, um, I got a little bit of a taste of it, but yeah, um, yeah, not as much as I probably would have liked. Yeah. Well, when you start out the season though with injuries, and then you get yeah. another injury during rehab, yeah. it's got to be hard. It's not fun. No. So while you're home, and I did speak to your mum last week, <laughs> and she mentioned that the cricket club have been on at you to come and play cricket. She said, absolutely not. And I agree with her. Yeah, I'd probably pop a shoulder out or something. <laughs> or break a finger yeah. or cop one in the nose. Yeah, no. Nah. You're going to wrap yourself in cotton wool? Yeah. Yeah. It's just footy training. They haven't started training here yet, though, have they? Well, obviously not because mm, the nah, overs nah. all worked out. Um, no, nah, I've just got my own individual training where yep. a, few, a few other boys have come and joined in. That, so. And you're doing that at the Leisure Centre? Yeah, Ledger Centre and, um, well, not on the main oval now. It's been ripped up so yeah. to the cricket oval now, running yeah. in a few potholes and that. I was going to say, just be careful running around that oval. <laughs> Watch your Yeah, because I reckon that's the next one that needs to be worked <laughs> up and redone yeah. for sure. Please be careful. Maybe just stick to the pavement. Do you run much on the pavement? Oh, can't really. It's more um, a lot of sprint work and stuff, okay. like running, running laps and stuff as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Guess on days where you could, where there's time time on leg runs, you probably could, but yeah, um, I'd probably prefer on the grass. Yeah, 
hate running on grass. I know there's a lot of people that hate running. I think it's only footballers that enjoy running on grass. Probably. <laughs> oh, gosh. You could run on gravel. Can you do sprint work on gravel or are you too scared you'll fall I'll over? slip up and <laughs> break, break my arm or something. <laughs> you probably would too. I don't even want to put those thoughts into your head because your mum will come for me. Yeah. So what's the plan? How long are you home for? Uh, I'd say another few weeks. Yep. Um, they want me back a couple of weeks before. The pre-season actually starts, which is on 22nd of November. Yep. Um, so sometime early, mid-November, I'd probably head back and get back into it down there. How's that work? If they're – well, hopefully Melbourne won't be in mm. lockdown, but how does that – do you go into like a bubble or what? how does that work? Um, oh, well, depending on the lockdowns, I guess. Hopefully we're out by the time I go back. Um, but like, like, like during this year um, – we were pretty much you could go to the club and train and then go home. Like Yeah, that's right. That's pretty much all you could do and yep. um, not do much else. So Well, I suppose uh, AFL players and professional sports people are deemed essential workers. Yeah. So you just go into work, I guess. Priorities. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Priorities. Hey, apparently we all need entertainment, so yeah. Yeah. all power to you. <laughs> have you had have you had your jabs? Yeah, both jabs. Got them down here. Oh, did you? Yeah. Yeah, good work. Because yeah. you guys have to have your jabs, don't you? I'm pretty sure. Well, I guess if you want to travel in the States and stuff, I'd, yep. I'd say you'd, you'd need it and want to play games. Mm. So, yeah, right. Um, so when you head back in November, do you go back – are you going to be living with the same family you were living with last year? Yeah, I'll do another few months. I'll, I'll, I'll do the whole pre-season probably up until um, whenever like – probably March, February. Yep. Around then, then I'd probably start looking for um, someone to live with one of the boys or <gasps> myself or something. Stop it. What? You're going to go out on your own? Yeah. You're still only a child, Seamus. No, I'm a big boy now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you are a big boy now. It's um, How does mum feel about that? Oh, no, she hasn't said too much about it. <laughs> <laughs> Have you discussed it with her? Oh, I've said it that I'd probably... <laughs> Which, uh, I eventually get out. <laughs> you're, in a, you're an adult now. You can pretty much do what you want, yeah, can't it. you? Yeah. So how did it go living with the family in Melbourne last year? How was that? No, nah, real good. It was it was a bit weird at the start. Like it's just you get sort of put straight in. You don't really know them. Um, but then after the first few weeks, it's just like like normal almost. Um, yeah. You get looked after real well. Um, the mum I used to live with, she used to be a chef as well. So Oh, what? Get a pretty good feed here and there. Yeah, I um, reckon. And, yeah, just get well looked after and everything. Um, they have a little bit to do at the club as well. So Yeah. Okay. Well, that's handy. Yeah. You're doing your own washing and things like that or do you get looked after uh, that well? Well, I can get them to do it, but I, I've been <laughs> I've been trying to do, like, my own washing and that and um, chuck them in the wash and hanging them up and whatever. <laughs> Good boy. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. So get used to it. So you'll go back at least for pre-season with them, you said? Yeah, for yeah. at least. And then we'll see what happens. If you can't find anywhere, hopefully they'll give me a bit longer or something. Depends on what they want as well. Yeah. Um, they're still going to – I think they were planning eventually to get out of Melbourne at some time, but I don't know when. So. <laughs> Join the list. Yeah. Yeah. No. So as far as your training goes now, are you still – Working on building up strength, speed, all that kind of stuff. You're still in yep. a, sort of a building phase. Yeah. Um, yep. So it's like, yeah, we're pretty much building up for the start of preseason. Um, so there's a lot of speed work and time on leg running stuff, um, and then like really hitting the gym hard, trying to get get massive. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> trying to get massive. Yeah, get massive. Wow. Yeah. There's the promo. <laughs> what do you bench at the moment? Bench, I'm, bench is not my strong point. I, me, um, me max. We do three rep max. So, 
Uh, I had 92 and a half on a three rep max, so it's... Oh, That's still sizable. It's, it's, it's okay, I guess. Yeah. What are you? Are you doing much in the way of deadlifts with your hammies and stuff? Um, not deadlifts, more like the squatting and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Sort of like the leg workouts, and that's probably more what I like. Yeah, right. With heavy weights on those. Yeah, I think on the three rep on the um, squat, I get to about one thirty-five, one forty kilos. Wow. So. That's a lot. Yeah, okay. They're heavy. Yeah, for a little boy like me, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not a little boy anymore, Seamus. Uh, you just said you're a big boy now. Oh, maybe not then. <laughs> I'm just interested, being a PT, I'm just interested around how they structure your training with regard to you being somewhat injury prone. Mm. Is a lot of this going to, like the biomechanics involved, is it supposed to strengthen the tendons around your knees and ankles and hamstrings and stuff? Because you're still growing. You're only what? Are you 19 yet? Yeah, I'm 19. Yeah, now. okay. Yeah. But you're still growing. Yeah. Hope so. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of the training program that they've got you on is that go, is that a preventative program as well as building? Yeah, there's all these injury injury prevention um, workout sort of stuff you do at the start yep. of um, each session, um, and then your individual needs as well. Yep. So like when I had an ankle injury, I'd do a lot of like calf and leg sort of lower leg workouts and that. Yep. Um, and then yeah, when I had the hammy tendon problem, I was doing a lot of like Pilates work and. Um, um, trying to strengthen strengthen the core and like um, yeah the hammies pretty much so yeah right that core work's going to be important mm, too very yeah right do you reckon wait let's talk about some interclub stuff because <laughs> I haven't I thought I might get I I did ask Luke if there was anything specific he wanted me to ask you and he just said find out what's going on with Clark Owen Mitchell because <laughs> it feels like we've been watching a really bad breakup. No, I wouldn't say. That's just been put on by the media, I reckon. What do you mean? The media wouldn't hype things up and over-dramatise things? Uh, Don't be so they silly. Would. They would. No, nah. would they really? No, nah. um, nah, they had a very good relationship that we all know about. They had? Yeah. Mm, oh, using they, past they, tense. They still do. Um, no, nah, Clarko just thought it was time pretty much to hand over the baton to him. He thought he was ready pretty much. So Right. Um, there wasn't anything relationship issues or nothing. Um, but, yeah, Clarko thought that Mitch was ready. He was doing real well with the VFL coaching and that. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it was just we didn't want, really want to have another year of doing one game plan and then going to another the year after sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so I think they just sort of came to the agreement that it was time to hand it over now and um, start looking to do things Mitch's way, I guess. Yeah. Is the game plan going to be much different? Uh, I'd say a little bit different, um, probably more attacking. Okay. Um, yeah, trying to kick a lot of goals and stuff. That's pretty much. The <laughs> that's way how you win games, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, very attacking and um, yeah, trying to hit the scoreboard and that. Mm. Well, the Hawks haven't been very strong for a couple of years now, unfortunately. Mm. So, you know, history would say that you bring a new coach in and things do change. Have they put a timeline on – is there a five-year plan in place of when they want to get the, the next premiership or are they playing it? Like obviously there's going to be strategies around it. How much mm. do you know about that? Oh, I wouldn't know a whole heap. I guess like every year you're going to be trying to play for a premiership. Mm. So um, even this year um, at the start of the year we're all saying we want to play finals and that's it. Like, yeah. Um, obviously we didn't get the result we wanted. We, we beat a lot of the good teams, but we lost a, a lot of the um, worst ones, I guess. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you always have that um, goal to be playing finals and have a go at a premiership. Mm. Do you reckon you'll get a run in the seniors this year? 
Hope so. Hopefully a good pre-season and, um, yeah, see what happens. Mm, well, you'll certainly be getting off to a much better start this pre-season. Yeah, I can actually run this, this pre-season. Yeah. So. Wrap yourself in cotton wool then, won't yeah, you? Yeah, So as far as Mitch goes, there's been a lot of talk, and I'm one that sort of has this theory that superstar players don't often make superstar coaches, Ron Brassi being the exception to the rule. Nathan Buckley is a good example. Superstar player, Perhaps not a great coach. Oh, could have been. Could have been. Should have been. Yeah. <laughs> what do you reckon? Have you had much interaction with Sam Mitchell? Uh, well, yeah, like obviously had him for the VFL coach um, last year. He was our, our coach, so mm. had a bit to do with him. Um, and how did uh, you find him as a coach? No, I liked him. He um, he's, he's hard on you. He, yep. like, he'll um, rip, you, rip you if he has to. Mm. Um, he'll tell you straight. Um, but like he has two sides of him. It would be funny to make jokes and stuff as well. And um, then he has a serious side to him where, yeah, it's more footy-footy. Yeah. He'd be um, incredibly knowledgeable, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. Very smart. He's obviously been in the game for probably like 20 years almost now or something. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and obviously had the experience of coaching at Box Hill last year would have helped mm. um, leading into him coaching this year and onwards. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting, the whole – and I know we don't, the only thing that we see is the media mm. hyping things up and saying that, you know, there's issues internally or whatever. And clearly at other clubs there is. Carlton and Collingwood spring to mind. Mm. Clearly those mm. issues stem from the top. But Hawthorne doesn't seem to have any of that cultural sort of issues from yeah. the top. Would you agree? No. Um, like we've always had a pretty good culture, they've always said, at the club. Um, this year, like when well, that that day that we found out Clarko was um, – going to stop coaching, um, we all seen it on, like, Instagram posts and everything before we were actually told. So oh, what? That's the first time that it ever in the club's history that um, someone up up the top had spilt, spilt some beans and, Ooh. Um, yeah, let it out before actually all the players and the club knew. So, um, How did that make you feel? How did that make the, the leadership group feel? Did well, they I, know? I think it was – there was a maybe a captain – oh, I can't remember, but there was the main squad – Training, I think. Um, I think this might have been during. Oh, I can't even remember really. But um, they uh, there was a squad training out in the Oval, and then um, they seen all these media people and everything rock up and like, what's going on? They because it was all posted while they were out training as well. Yeah, right. Um, so uh, they all found out. Like they've seen all this media coming in, and um, like they all had to sneak under the bottom and like. So they weren't. They were told don't talk to anyone. Just yeah. had to go down the bottom, up the race, and mm. um, through the basement and that. And um, they were all shocked, as shocked as we were. So wow. Um, yeah. That's where some of these internal issues start when there is mm. a leak yeah. that's letting things out to the media first. That's a bit of an issue, and I can't yeah. imagine that was uh, a great day. I think, um, yeah, they, they weren't too happy. I think that person was probably going to get the flick. I'm I was going to sure. say, yeah, that person's probably not there anymore. Yeah. Um, with regard to the media doing doorstops and things like that, do you get told not to say anything? Um, yeah, like on that day, for example, we were told um, where to go. Like we got told to park in the basement. It was the first time I got to park in the basement. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we all got led into the basement, parked down there, um, had to use the elevators and stuff and just avoid the media. Like just, And if they see you, just say no comment. Yeah, right. So, okay. Because mm. there is a fair bit of that, especially with, you know, the the senior players and the superstars that do get doorstopped all the time. Yeah. It must just 
yeah, I'd say it'd be pretty annoying. Oh, it'd be so annoying. You know, the media have got a job to do, but mm. gosh. Big space. Yeah. Have you had much media training in the past year? Um, we did have one session. Um, that was, I think, probably halfway through the year. Yep. Um, like, yeah, it's just practising pretty much how to talk and that sort of stuff. And What do they um, teach you? Like things to say, not always say like stuff like, oh, the boys and stuff and <laughs> say things like that. Say, like, oh, the Hawthorne footy club, say that instead. Like, yeah, right. It's, um, yeah, I'd probably forget straight away and just say the boys. <laughs> probably already yeah, have. <laughs> I was going to say, but doesn't that ta- – to me that takes a bit away a bit of the relatability. I've been in media for a long, long time and 20 years ago there was none of that media training and trying to get two words out of new recruits, both AFL and NRL, was near impossible. Trying to get Billy Slater to sit down and actually have a civil conversation was impossible and now he's a media professional. So it obviously works. So And it's clearly worked because you're very well spoken, Seamus. You've done very, very well. Yeah, I'm not really a good speaker, so... Yeah, oh, but I'm going all right. So. You're going all right. And this kind of stuff is, you know, good practice. Yeah. Because there's only like a thousand people that listen to us every week. Yeah, only. Not many. Uh. <laughs> well, I hope that it's going to be a, a successful season for you this this season. Mm. You'll be off to a much better start. That's yeah, got to give you some confidence. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, definitely confidence booster. Yeah. Um, yeah, just trying to get fitter and stronger pretty much. Tell me this before we go. When you have – who was it that came to you and said we're going to – you're right to go this week. We're going to put you in the Box Hill side. Um, oh, it was more um, the docs and physios and everything. Like, yep. They sort of decide um, on, like, how you're tracking and everything. So it's um, you sort of do a bit of testing and stuff and then, um, yeah, you just get, I guess, just get get named and, um, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. And Who did you call first? Uh, probably say... Would have called probably mum or dad. Yeah. Or they would have called me. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I think I probably would have told them during the week that I was probably going to play this week. So Yeah. And my dad would find out. So I reckon they might have called me that night or something. Did dad go down to watch? Yeah, dad got down. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, mum had to stay back here. Yeah, well, run the they motel. run a motel, so yeah. someone's got to be here. Yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully this year if you get to play a few senior games in Melbourne, even mm. VFL games, I mean mm. – yeah, it's still half. Big, yeah, yeah, exactly. Six or one, half a dozen the other. You're still yeah. playing for the Box Hill Hawks. So um, hopefully you do get to play a few games and we'll all be out of lockdown and we could take a bus down to Melbourne <laughs> and come and sit on the sidelines in our Robin Bale jerseys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that might be fun. Seamus, thanks for coming in no on worries. such a terrible day. You off to the gym this afternoon? Yeah, yeah. Good work. You spend a bit of time in there. Yeah, I've got to. I did notice the other day, kept looking at my watch going, Seamus has been here about three hours. Yeah, I've got to get massive, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you do have to get massive. You look like you've got bigger. Like yeah, you look I, like I've, you've filled um, out a bit. Yeah, when I first got drafted, I think I was about 74 kilos. Now I'm about 80, so. 74 kilos? Yeah, I'm pretty, pretty light. Wow, yeah, that's yeah. light. <laughs> what, what's that? Do you have a goal weight that you've got to get to? Not, oh, not really. I guess it's what – you sort of want to be as well and how you feel comfortable, I guess. Yeah. Um, or if the trainers or um, uh, staff sort of want you to either put more on or just – or even lower some some mm. weight. Um, yeah, it just depends. Yeah, because if you get too heavy, I suppose that's going to affect your speed too, yeah, won't sure. it? Yeah. yeah. Well, good luck with it. Thank you. Enjoy your day at the gym. Will do. We'll catch up with you next time you're home maybe. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. 
he's a very talented boy, that Seamus Mitchell. Now we're back with the girls at Mildura Living and Sharon's here. Sharon Lyle, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Are you busy at the moment? Selling, selling, selling for the summer issue? Oh, look, the support that we have got from our advertisers through everything we've been through has Mm. been amazing. It's good, isn't it? And people realise they still need to get their business name out there and they still need to be read and seen and that's it's really a relief that people know that they still need that and they yeah they see the value in the product so it's yes yeah, still busy well speak the value of the product is that Muldura Living has such a good brand up mm. here but not only here because you, you were saying a couple of weeks ago that it's in all of the Qantas clubs mm. around Australia mm-hmm. that's every that's Qantas big. club Australia wide yeah and I think I think we used to be, and I think we still are, the only regional magazine to have been placed. Well, how many other regional magazines, in all honesty, how many other regions or regional cities produce a magazine of this calibre? And not to blow too much smoke up your bum, <laughs> but, like, it's a beautiful magazine. There's there's quite a few that do. Is um, there? Yeah, there are. Um, we've uh, we've actually worked with good friends, Jake and Petro, over on the Flurio. Mm-hmm. They started theirs uh, 12 months after we started ours. Yeah, beautiful so, region over there yeah, too, it is, isn't it? Yeah, mm. um, So theirs is a great magazine, but there are a lot of, that are still affiliated with newspapers, so they're not right. privately owned, so they, they're not the same as the regional yeah. ones. I'm, I'm a bit biased, but, you know. Well, that would have to be in one way an advantage to be independent from the major news yeah. Yeah. global conglomerates. Oh, I can say that now. <laughs> but does it put you at a disadvantage sometimes or – it just gives you the freedom to do what you want to do. I think. I think the latter. It gives you the advantage that you can do what you want. Mm. You don't, you're not bound to, you know, set guidelines or anything like that. Mm. And because we're regional, it's about you know the the local people and everything. So we yeah, don't, you know, you're not sort of having to report on the latest news and everything. And because again, we've got that three month lead in time. That sort of limits. You know, you you don't do daily news because it's old news by the time the magazine comes. Mm. Which is a, a great model. Was it you that came up with that model, or how much? How because the first issue was, was what two thousand and eleven. Yep. Yeah. So it's ten years this year. Uh, it was ten years in autumn. That Yay! Was, uh, ten years. Oh, congratulations! Wait, let me. Get, I'll find some applause. <laughs> That's great news. Yeah. So we had a big um, dinner party out at Ampelon Gardens. Yep. And we had Julia Zayeda come up for it, who's oh. a um, ex Mildura girl, yep. and um, then went to fame with Better Homes and Gardens. And she's been fantastic to work with, a real bit of a mentor. Yep. Terrific. Yeah. Well, that's great news. I remember when the first one came out and you had it sitting on the table here, and I went, I remember that. Mm. I didn't realise it was 10 years ago, though. Yeah. Mm. Just saying, where did, all that, where did the last 10 years go? But Shaz, you, you've got um, some Robin Vale advertisers mm, on now, yeah. which is exciting. I know, very exciting. Mm. So we have Pioneer Ford. They've been in there for a long time, haven't they? They have. They're, yeah. just, they're just, yeah, they're a joy. They're yeah. a joy to deal with. They support the magazine and, yeah, the boys in there are, are a lot of fun over email to yeah. <laughs> with I could think of a few other adjectives <laughs> to describe the boys in there, but that's fine. They're good. Fun they're is good. Fun. It's yeah. just lovely that they support the magazine and, yeah. yeah. And the Robinvale Golf Club are now partners as well. And the Robinvale well. Golf Club are now advertising partners. How Yay. exciting. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. And we're coming to visit. Yeah, road trip. We're yeah. doing a road trip. Have yeah. we told you about that? Yeah, you have yeah. to. Well, you, but you can tell everybody else listening. Mm. Yeah, so obviously the, there's this space now where we can duck away to for a night without having to pack our bag and go for a week. Mm. It's, yeah, what an amazing space. And and the revamp and the 
you know, refurb that you guys have given it. Mm. The rooms look amazing and we can't wait to yeah, sit we're gonna there and try it out. Yeah. <laughs> we can't wait to actually open the doors. It's would exciting. be nice. Yeah. But, um, so I've been telling everybody, like, you can. You can. You don't have to, you don't have to drive to yeah. Melbourne because you can't. Mm. So you can go to Robinvale and there's this, you know, cool place where you can go and eat and yeah. you can sleep and you can drink. And like, exactly. And you can drive home the next day. Or, or go down my sort of vision is for Mildura people to come down, play at Robinvale, stay at Robinvale, then go to Swan Hill, yeah. play and stay there, come back and have another night at Robinvale yeah. and then go home. Absolutely. Perfect for Melbourne Cup weekend, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. Oh, I would have thought yeah. so too. <laughs> exactly what I was thinking. And Bobby was in – she mm. was in one of the issues not that long she ago, got, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, we've got the, the cover, cover here. Yeah, yeah with um, Euston mm. Station. How mm. good is that? And you know there's a ghost. Mm. It was written was, about in there, wasn't it? Yeah, she was telling yeah. us about the ghost and um, we, she said also to come down and stay. We were going to and then mm-hmm. COVID restrictions. But sure, sure. Sharon's you heard about the ghost and went, no, no thanks. No, well, Sharon's <laughs> already decided she's bringing her caravan oh, to park mm, near it. Mm. I'm well, so you don't so, have to sleep in it yeah. because of the ghost? I'm, well, it gives more room for these. <laughs> <laughs> really? It'll spread the rooms out more and then I Sharon. can just sleep in my van because it's such a nice place. Yeah, yeah it is such a nice place. So why would you do it? And there is quite a few of us, so in her defence. Yeah, 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 they'll have the rooms. The rooms will be filled, don't worry. <laughs> really? You don't do ghosts. Mm-mm. How many have you come in contact with no. over the course of your... <laughs> no. So then how do you know you I've don't do ghosts? I've this whole time. I'm not going to start now. <laughs> I would love to do my guilty pleasure. Oh, gosh, I shouldn't talk about this on a podcast, but I will because it's topical <laughs> while we're talking about ghosts. Sun Every Sunday morning... <laughs> This is ridiculous. Going to make so me look like an idiot. I know. Oh, <laughs> Every Sunday morning, or Saturday night, I have my foxtail set to record. There's ghost shows at like midnight, like ghost adventures with Zach. Is that where they go oh. into a place that's haunted? Yeah, and you, you actually go on a tour and yeah. Well, they do investigations and I they have all these gadgets. That. Yeah, I would love to do that at Bobby's. Mm. How cool would that be? Because she said that you can quite often smell. The smell of a pipe or a cigar. Mm. There was things laying around. Yeah, she, yeah. Found, she yeah. found the old pipe. I think. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That's it. The old pipe. It. Yeah. So yeah, I'd love cool. to go and do like get some of those to, which you can oh, buy yeah, on eBay. That. I do. That. Yeah. I'm just not sleeping. But over. I sit and watch my ghost shows every Sunday morning while I fold the washing. <laughs> every I oh, know <laughs> Tony's face. <laughs> wow. Really? And you're a leader in our community. <laughs> really? <laughs> It's just a way just, I tune out, mm. just like some people watch The Bachelorette. Oh, Speaking oh, of which. Housewives of Melbourne, real housewives. Oh, no, I can't. See, I appreciate trash, but that show's just, they're nasty. They're nasty women, aren't they? It's interesting, yeah. Yep. Do you reckon? I don't watch it. No, I've, I don't think I've ever watched an episode of Housewives. No, my husband has. <laughs> really? Maybe you need to cut that out. <laughs> no, no, no. Does he really? He loves it, yeah. Grant watches The Housewives of Melbourne or all of them? Uh, no, I think all of them. I think <laughs> but the Housewives of Melbourne, that was very exciting in our house when that was coming back on. Really? <laughs> yeah. Huh. He's, he's going to kill me. Wow. This is a guy that drives a vintage. Can we talk about the Ford Bronco? You can. I don't know much about it. I know that it's there, but I don't well, know. <laughs> Do you know what year it is? 82, maybe. It is cool. It is pretty cool. So for a man that drives an 82 Ford Bronco <laughs> to be watching diverse. The Housewives. Yeah, yeah diverse. Yeah, no, diverse or... Um, total package. <laughs> yeah, a very balanced person. Yeah, very. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> so You're in big trouble. I am. Yeah. 
<laughs> you need to cut that out. No. Well, we're going to talk about moving forward. So until the end of the year, you guys are partners. So yay, thanks. Yes. Yes. Thank and you. congrats. Mm. Um, or congrats for, for me, really, because yeah. I'm the real winner here. <laughs> um, but we're going to talk about and talk to some of the people that are featured in the spring and the summer issue, yep. which will be really cool. So let's start to think about who we're going to talk to next week. Yeah. Who are we talking to next week? Well, we don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. So you do as much preparation as I do. <laughs> I'll get on the phone and see what I can do. <laughs> Just someone, yeah. Well, there's it would be of interesting people in here. There's so I'd many. Have to chat um, to Jan. Yeah, it would mm. be great. Oh yeah, we'll get yeah. Jan. She'd be a great one to start yeah. with. Seeing we've yep. spoken to Kirsten about her today. Yeah, we'll get Jan. Yeah, let's get her. Mm. I'm not sure that there's a huge amount of other things or any housekeeping that I need to take care of, except for how's this? When you come to Robinvale next, if you have 5G capable phones, you'll be able to use 5G because that's be- the tower's being upgraded today. Awesome. Yeah. Yep. So my bum will vibrate because I'm double vaxxed. So <laughs> I just vibrate when I walk past the mobile towers now. There's been a few people that have asked what's going on up there and completely convinced that it's a conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Mm. We'll be there in the next couple of weeks. Yep. Fantastic. Absolutely. And we're doing a story too on the cricket club, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Yep. The resurrection yes. of the cricket club. Mm. A little sneak peek. And junior cricket started off, started the music again because we talked too, too much. <laughs> <laughs> ran out. But that's fine. So I think that was the only update I had. Um, oh, it's Freedom Day for you guys today too, mm. hence why I'm allowed to be here. So good. Yeah. Yep. Just feels good. Yeah. Yeah, everyone's <laughs> got a much better attitude The town's today. got yep. the oh, amazing vibe. Everyone's out there. Yeah. Yep. It's good. It has made a difference. I think we're, now we're so reliant on those announcements mm. to dictate our mood. Mm. I don't like that. Mm. I don't like mood being dictated by mm. the government. Anyway, we'll end on that. Listening to the Vale podcast. <laughs> Find more local stories in Mildura Living Magazine. Spring issue out now.